0: 95% of your brain was wired between when you were born and when you were five. Mm. And 85% of it was wired before you were three. Wow. Almost all of that brain wiring is about your social and emotional competence. You learn how to get along with other people from birth to three, and you don't even know what's going on.
1: Hello, friend. It's Wendy Valentine, your hostess with the Midlife Mostess, coming at you live from the RV. Welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. If you are ready to get unstuck, take courageous action, and reclaim your life, I am the wild and wise woman for you. Let me tell you, I've been there. I've gone through divorce, I was at a job I definitely didn't love, I've lost some amazing people in my life, and I have cried buckets of tears along the way. The great news is that I've made it through to the other side, oh yeah. My breakdown became my breakthrough. I know your greatest breakthrough is on the other side of saying yes to life. It's time to stop being stuck and stop playing small. It's time to go from surviving to thriving. If you're done living a life that doesn't set your soul on fire, this is the podcast for you. Let's get this midlife party started, shall we? Welcome back to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. i definitely appreciate you being here. Here is one thing that I know for sure about today's episode. It is a topic that applies to everyone, and I mean everyone. As a matter of fact, there is no way that you could possibly be excluded from this topic. Basically, if you're a human being, then this topic applies to you. It is the topic of Dun 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 relationships. Yes, relationships are part of being a human being. It cannot, under any circumstances, be avoided. Well, kind of, unless you live in a cave, of course, and talk to bats all day long. (laughs) But then again, you'd, I guess, you'd have a relationship with the bats, and that's a little weird. Anyway, you get the point. The actual definition of relationships is the way in which two or more people are connected. As human beings, we are meant to connect with other human beings. It is how we survive in life. It is how we thrive in life. And there's all sorts of relationships, you guys. Everything from work relationships to friendships to teacher and student relationships to intimate relationships and even down to our relationship to the barista at Starbucks, which of course is the most important relationship of them all. (laughs) Hey, listen, grande flat white with three stevia, you get that wrong and this relationship is over. (laughs) But seriously, they are all relationships and they can be either good or bad, happy or sad, fulfilling or draining loving or hateful, beautiful or ugly, fun or boring, or all of the above. Actually, just saying the word relationships can give you a warm, fuzzy feeling of love, or it can give you a cold, horrifying feeling of fear. You might think to yourself, man, oh man, I really suck at relationships. Or you could say, gosh, I love all my relationships. I love being in a relationship. It is true that relationships can be challenging, but relationships teach us a lot about life. And most importantly, they teach us a lot about ourselves. We learn, grow, and evolve through relationships. We need relationships. Relationships are a way in which we can become the best version of ourselves and live our best life. Oh, yeah. So in order for you to become the best you as an adult and to successfully, as Dr. Scott, our guest today, says, to get along on the adult playground, you have to turn back the clock of time to understand what you were taught about relationships in your first seven years of life. Yes, it goes back that far. It is in those first seven years of life that you learned how to function in a relationship. Since you are listening to this podcast, most likely you are at midlife, which means that you have between 40 and 60 plus years of experience in relationships. That's a long time and a lot of relationships. Going back a few decades, those first seven years of life might seem tedious and even scary. I would say especially scary. But I think you will find that it will help you connect the dots of who you were back then and who you are now. Furthermore, it will help you connect the new dots of who you are now in this present moment in time, and who you want to be in the future. Not to mention, it will help you become better at relationships. And just like I said in the very beginning, relationships are how we connect as human beings. So you will become better at connecting. You will become better at loving, giving, forgiving, receiving, communicating, and relating as the best version of yourself in all your relationships. The word that comes to mind for me right now is harmony. It's about creating harmony in yourself, in your life, in your relationships. So I have to tell you, I listened to this episode a couple of times because I personally got so much from it. I was actually so into the conversation that I forgot I was in the middle of an interview. Needless to say, a lot of light bulbs went off for me on how I am in my own relationships and how I can be better, not just for the other person in the relationship, but also for me. Being more successful in your relationships benefits everyone. It's a win-win, right? Okay, let's dive (laughs) in in, <laughs> Our oh-so-awesome guest today is Dr. L. Carol Scott. She is a trauma-informed developmental psychologist, TEDx speaker, coach, and author. Carol brings the SAS, Self-Aware Success Strategies, to help you get along better on the adult play- playgrounds you play on. Carol knows that your success today is determined by your first seven years of life, and she also knows that it's never too late, I love this phrase, development do-overs. As her coaching client, you bring your unique goals for success, and she draws out your sass. Love it. Together, you repattern how you operate in the relationships that are at the heart of achievement. Midlifers, please welcome Dr. L. Carol Scott to the show. Welcome, Dr. L. Carol Scott to the Midlife Makeover Show. We are so happy you are here. Oh, my gosh. Tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do it.
0: Hi, Wendy. I am delighted to be here. Um, I like to help people get along better on the adult playgrounds where they play now. But I use tools from when they were little and playing on the little playgrounds with little kids, oh. and really playing. But that's how we learn all of our social and emotional patterns for good relationships, or not. Are um, all of our uh, maladaptive and manipulative patterns for relationships grow there too? So I like to help people sort that out and mm. become an adult that everyone is delighted to have as a friend, as a coworker as a sibling um, to become people who, for whom relationship isn't just a thing we do, but it's like the only thing that we think is important. Oh, I love that.
1: It's so funny. It's, I love that term about um, on the playground, like, because I mean, like it, it brought me back and it made me think about how I was on the playground, how I'm at the right. playground now how I was with other kids and how I'm, I am with adults now. It's so fascinating. That's such a perfect way to put it.
0: Well, and aren't we all always just trying to get some stuff done, right? We're trying to make ourselves happy. We're trying to protect what's ours. Mm -hmm. Um, We're trying to get more of what we want. We're trying to build alliances. I think the important thing for us to know, particularly at midlife, and by the way, I would love to know when that actually started for me. I think it's yeah. been going on a while now. I keep extending it.
1: <laughs> I know. Um, I think they technically they say now it's up to 70. I'm like, okay.
0: Okay, good. Good. <laughs> I'm still in my midlife. I'm still in my midlife. Yeah. I think, you know, what we have to look at is um, the the crucial role that important relationships, and by that, I mean, beyond your spouse, but all the important relationships in your life, what they actually mean to you in terms of their value for mm. your your ability to get stuff done that you want to yeah. get done. And what you're trying to get done, the things you want, the things, um, the ways in which you're trying to um, get along with other people, they have changed a little bit over time. But in right. the essence, they are the same. And so I teach what I call the SAS, seven Self-aware success strategies, S-A-S-S, self-aware success strategies. Seven of them that we were supposed to, they were really a birthright for us from birth to seven years Mm -hmm. of age, like kind of one per year. Mm -hmm. We were maturing into these opportunities for social and emotional competence or Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence, social intelligence, getting along with people in the healthy ways so that we don't have to be codependent, manipulate them, bully them um, be passive aggressive, you know, all the, the tools that we adopt, the strategies that we adopt to get along on the playground that really, you know, they're cute maybe when you're seven, but they're not that cute when you're 35. (laughs)
1: 35. (laughs) Yeah. It's so perfect. Yeah. Well, the thing is too, I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking about with relationships. Yeah. Like when you, when you're a child, when you become, when you're a teenager, you just, you don't really like you're t- saying about having putting the value on those relationships and what they mean to you. And that, you know, and each one is different. And then yeah. I feel like for a lot of us, we kind of just fall into relationship, whatever it is, and whether if it's our sibling or friends or intimate relationships, where just like, you just kind of like go into it, not really going in with like, what does this mean to me? Right. Right. And so I think it's, that's really interesting to think about it that way. And when I think about midlifers and people, you know, they're reaching midlife and they're in all these relationships and probably take a step back and go, why am I in this relationship? <laughs> you know, like, what does this relationship mean to me? Do I want to keep this relationship? And, and maybe, like you said, too, it's like, you do kind of, you have to kind of go back of like who who you are at your core what you've been taught yes. what you want to un, you know unlearn you know
0: yeah. yes and it, and in fact even uh, more deeply this this work is deep and i by yeah. that i mean it's deep within us and so not only is it things we've learned but it's things that were literally wired into our neural system when we were birth to 5 you yes. 95% of your brain was wired between when you were born and when you were 5 Hmm. And 85 percent of it was wired before you were three. Wow. And almost all of that brain wiring is about your social and emotional competence. You learn how to get along with other people from birth to three, and you don't even know what's going on. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're just waiting for your next meal and <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> trying to, to understand
0: and- <laughs> trying to understand the dynamics of your own body and how it works. and how to move around in the world and interact with all these other beings that are of different sizes and everybody's got their own stuff they want and you got your stuff you want and you don't know how to talk yet. I mean, it's like, it's this very complicated developmental period. Although if we really, you know, if everyone who raised a toddler and an infant understood what was going on, oh my God, the world would be such a different place.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and I was just thinking too, it's like you... You at that time in your life you really don't have a choice. You're just kind of like, okay. And now you do have a choice. Right. Right. So I think it's so how so tell me more about the SAS. I'm I'm, I'm curious about those seven yeah. principles and
0: yeah. So so I'm my life is as a developmental psychologist. I work with mm-hmm. young kids and their families from birth to seven mm-hmm. years of age. That's my wheelhouse. Wow. And during my career, when I was working on my doctorate in developmental mm-hmm. psychology, I went to therapy for my own childhood mm. and uh, realized that there were some things that I was missing as an adult that would be quite helpful to have, like the capacity to trust other people, to feel like it was a safe place to mm-hmm. be in the world and that other people are there for me, right. that there's sort of this, they got my back sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I learned in in my child development studies is that I should have gotten that sense, like in my first six months of life, that's a developmental mm-hmm. uh, aspect. That's an aspect of development. It's, it's literally like part of the programming is that you're going to have, and, and the way I think of it now is that infants have one strategy to use. They only have one, and that's to trust that we're going to take care of them. Right. Because we're the most dependent species on the planet. We cannot take care of ourselves after birth, like, at all. Right. So we have to trust. And so it makes sense that trust is a fundamental component of our social makeup then as adults. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at what are the things my little kids in my preschools, in the families I work with, what are they developing in terms of social and emotional competencies? What do I see in them? Do I have that in myself? And my therapist really fostered that saying, Look at the teachers in the classroom. You have a room full of little kids who are showing you what to do. Right. And so here are are the seven. Trust, which is a strategy from infancy. The strategy from our toddler year, I call independence. Mm. And if you've ever met a toddler, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) Yeah. Independence, (laughs) being who you are. Mm -hmm. Third at three is faith, which is believing in all things, believing in the impossible, believing in possibility, mm. or more broadly defined than you can imagine now as an adult. Yeah. At four, that all seems a little fun and a little bit too fluffy, and they want to learn the rules. So it's all about negotiation, negotiating to get what you want. Two is knowing what you want. Four is negotiating to get it. And then at five, kids start to be really social in groups. And so I call their success strategy strategy vision, but it isn't just about having their own goal or dream vision in their mind for themselves. It's about (laughs) creating group harmony around a goal and getting everybody working on it together. My example that everybody recognizes in a five-year-old is a group of five-year-olds planning what to play, (laughs) planning how to play, who's going to do what, when, who's going to take what role, sometimes even down to the scripted words. And then you're going to say, because it's part of what they have to say, you know, in order to be Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader, whoever they're being. Right. And then, so that ability to kind of capture the group and enroll them in a vision and get Mm -hmm. them all working together um, needs to be uh, polished at six with the ability to compromise because it isn't always going to go exactly the way you see it. Right. And then um, that sort of values-led approach to interaction If you have to compromise, you have to give up some of what you want. Well, what's more important to you? Mm -hmm. What do you really want versus what could you let go of? That's a values driven decision or it should be. Mm -hmm. And then that takes us into the value place of accepting how things are, Mm -hmm. accepting that sometimes you do get what you want. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes somebody else can take the lead. Sometimes you are. Sometimes really good things happen to really like bad people. Mm -hmm. sometimes really bad things happen to really good people and that can include you right you can have a really bad something happen in your life an event a circumstance in your life even if you follow all the rules as a kid and do your homework and be you know go to church and be be the person that your parents tell you you're supposed to be and then one of your parents can get really sick or get really injured or Mm -hmm. somebody you love can die I mean really really bad things can happen
2: -hmm.
0: And so acceptance is sort of the end of the social and emotional competence road of the success strategies. So trust, independence, faith, negotiation, vision, compromise, and acceptance. And if we have the ability to do those seven things, and it's kind of their big things, they're like pockets full of things. Yeah, I was going to say, those are like, that's not, those aren't simple statements. But if we have those kinds of emotional capacities and, and intelligences in our social relationships, we have great relationships. They're full of joy. They're full of productivity. They bring us growth and opportunity and um, transformation. Mm-hmm. And they don't drag us down. They don't keep us constantly in struggle. Right.
1: Yeah. And I, I was just thinking about, well, not, not that I was just thinking about myself, but <laughs> as yeah, you were like, you were. I feel like, you know, like those words that you were, those, those seven As you were saying each word, it's like there's a couple of them that were really like, you know, like the ones that scare you the most are the ones that, you know, you you need to work on the most. Yeah. Yeah. And, and same for me too. I went through a lot of therapy to deal with things, you know, from the past. And my biggest fear in relationship is abandonment. And that goes back from 40, yeah, 40 years ago. So So how do you, okay. So if I come to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I love, and I, it's, it's interesting because I love relationships. I really do. And then there's, there's, there's this kind of like tug of war with it. Mm -hmm. And where I'm like, there's these fears though, that bubble up. And, and I know now, like I have this awareness about it now. I'm like, oh, here it is. Oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So how do you, how do you get to that point where you can overcome? Is it possible to overcome? Like, okay, I no longer fear being abandoned and I I can feel comfortable and safe.
0: I believe, yes, that Mm -hmm. is something that can be overcome. I do. And it starts with, you said the word awareness. You become aware of yourself. You become aware of a pattern. You become aware of a feeling. You become aware of who you are from a sort of Back the camera up. Perspective. You're looking at yourself. Looking at yourself. Kind of. Yes. Way. Yes. So once you go there, then I think it's about looking. I start people with what I call development do overs, which ask you to look at your behavior patterns. Mm-hmm. What do you do right now relative to abandonment? How does that occur for you in your life? Mm-hmm. And what is you know we're going to look at the flip side of that. So abandonment means you don't trust people to be there for you. Right. So let's take a look at what you can trust people for. Mm -hmm. So what are the things you need from other people besides being there for you? Mm -hmm. How do you define that? What does that look like in little bits? If somebody's there for you, how do you know it? What are they doing? Right, right. Get specific, get clear about your understanding of what it means to not be abandoned, to trust Mm -hmm. that someone is there for you. And then look around at your world, at the people in your world and ask yourself, Who does that? Who Mm -hmm. does this thing that I have just said is being there for me? Mm. Who can I count on? You know, they get to have a bad day now and then, but 85, 90% of the time, if that's what I need, I I can get that right Right. there from that one person. Then looking at the flip side of that coin, specific need, this this way of someone being there for me, listening to me when I talk without interrupting me. Maybe that's part of your definition. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you put that in as this is the thing I need. And uh, Josephina over here gives me that. She listens to me so great. Yeah. Who is somebody that I know is really crummy at that? (laughs) Who in my life who I love dearly for other reasons, clearly, just doesn't do that at all. And so it's like a little uh, exercise in building your universe around your needs. And then we look for the patterns, the behavior patterns, your behavior patterns. Mm. So, okay, now you know who's the who's the yes and who's the no on this need. Who are you going to? Mm-hmm. Who are you trying to get to listen to you? Are you going to Yosefina every time you need somebody to listen to you? Right. Are you going over here to Roger who just can't even? It's like a no judgment, no, right? right. Uh, like they're not good at that. Right. And it doesn't mean they're a bad person and it might, they might be there for you for other needs you have. They might be mm-hmm. the one like Josephina is for listening without interrupting. They might be the person who really does great. Something else that you need. First.
1: Yeah. And I was just thinking too, is that kind of go into the acceptance part of it? That Roger's Roger, Josephine's
0: Josephine. Bingo. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. And that's part of also the, Strategy of independence, gaining our own independence as a person and knowing we're over here being uniquely who we are. Ain't nobody right. else, Wendy Valentine. Right, right. Ain't nobody else, Carol Scott. And thank God for that. <laughs> I'm a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> me too. <laughs> right. And so is everybody. But every one of us comes through this dance of interaction because the way your brain wires up is in response to your interaction with the environment, the people and the Mm -hmm. objects in your environment, wire your brain by how you have the opportunity to interact with them. So if we go from extremes, Mm -hmm. uh, we go from the kid who's locked in a closet and has nobody to talk to for hours on end and is neglected and treated badly, all the way to a kid who's, you know, every moment is um, connected to, whose every uh, effort to express who they are is seen and heard and responded to in some way, I see you you know with some mm-hmm. message that says I see you. Those two kids grow up with very, very different behavior patterns around in relationships, of course right And those are two things are at the far end of a very long continuum of variations on the theme. Therefore, any group of people I'm in, every single person in there, I have to assume, is a unique individual who is really, you know very little like me. We might mm-hmm. find things we have in common, and of course we will.
2: Mm-hmm. and we will
0: find things to talk about and they will forever be a mystery to me and i will forever be a mystery to them yeah for a really long time at least got to be with somebody a long time before they stop being a mystery yeah yeah
1: exactly so fascinating so in the same way you can you you can overcome the fear of abandonment and i've done a lot of like i've always been fascinated with neuroplasticity and rewiring of the brain so how do you end up like literally like getting in there to go, okay, let's change our thinking here, our emotions and how we can play better on the playground?
0: Um, great question again. And uh, it really does start, I think with behavior is one way, one doorway in. So I start with the doorway of behavior and for some of us, and I include myself in this, the doorway needs to open to a deeper place. Uh, Beyond that. So I can start by repatterning my behavior, being self-aware, noticing what I do, changing my behavior changes my thinking and that changes my emotional life. And my brain got wired. Now I'm a person who grew up in a family full of trauma. So my brain is wired around a lot of really bad stuff. And it needs to have direct intervention. Somebody needs to get in there with a screwdriver. And (laughs) so the level of applied neurology, EFT tapping, EMDR work with a therapist, directly intervening in the neural network is another possibility that goes beyond what I do. Because not everybody needs that. Some people can just change their behavior and that's enough. And I think it depends on, I hate to say it this way, but like level of damage, level of uh, impact from those environmental wiring circumstances. Right. So uh, should we talk about the ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences? Yes. Yeah. I think those are important for us to know when we get to the middle of our lives and we're working with human beings that we finally are seeing as multidimensional. I think maybe some Mm -hmm. of us for the first time is to recognize that. certain adverse childhood experiences create uh, a person who really um, has some of that deeper wiring work to do Mm -hmm. and may be very dysregulated in their interactions with us sometimes. Right. So the adverse childhood experiences are 10 research documented experiences that, especially when we have them very young, Mm -hmm. um, create a, a neural environment that is highly reactive emotionally and psychologically, but also is reactive physically. So people with multiple ACEs, adverse mm-hmm. childhood experiences, people with more than four are more likely to have long-term physical debilitating illnesses like diabetes and cancer and wow. autoimmune disorders. Hmm. They impact the the level of the systems so deeply that they change all the systems. Right. So mm-hmm. um two kinds of neglect physical and emotional mm-hmm. Three kinds of abuse, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And then five kinds of family dysfunction, loss of a parent to divorce or death, use of alcohol or drugs by a caregiving parent, abuse of one caregiver by another in your presence as a child, um, a family member involved in crime or who is incarcerated. So somebody like actively dealing drugs or selling stuff off the back of a truck uh, in your household or already in prison for something like that. And then the fifth one is what have I missed? <laughs> I always miss one. I <laughs> well, and that's why I have the chart on my website. So you can go see but Face Faces on my website and get all 10 of them. But there's yeah, there's one more in that family dysfunction. Um, oh, yeah. mental illness, the uh oh, okay, yeah, like a parent with obsessive compulsive disorder or something other than use of drugs and alcohol. That is a mental illness.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh you know I'm glad you said that too. But like there are some people like you can just very simply change your behavior. Move and there's some people like I, I'm like a pro therapy. I've done therapy for years and years and okay decades. Um, and it's so important. Sometimes and and I think too, it's like you realize again, like and I don't know, if, you know, you experience this as well. You think you got like okay, I'm good with that one. Yes. next and then like years go by and all of a sudden like it bubbles back up and like what? like i paid so much money to overcome that crap and it's back.
0: Yes. um
1: and for me like i recently experienced i unfortunately watched my brother pass away like a few years ago. And yeah, thank you. And what i noticed, i didn't number one, i didn't realize i was traumatized by his death. You know, you kind of like right. when things happen in life and you go back to doing what you do and you go to work and you did da, 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 and then all of a sudden something triggers and you're like, whoa, wait, a minute, something is not quite right. And I did do EMDR, which was fascinating. Yeah. I only did. Yeah. And I read the book, um, The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. Great book, right? Me yeah. Too. And that's how I found out about EMDR found a therapist that happened to be a mile down the road for me that did EMDR. And it is, that's when I really, even though I was kind of already into neuroplasticity at that point, meditation and mindfulness, but then it's fascinating how quickly that worked. Yes. And here it is. I'm like, I was good for a while. Then all of a sudden, bloop, here it comes again. I was like, so even like the fear of abandonment kind of tied into losing my brother, being abandoned, if you will, yeah, by yeah. my brother. And even though it's like death, but it was translated to me psychologically or emotionally or whatever is like a fear of abandonment. And I think um, I think there's there's just thinking, there's like beauty to being so self aware. And then it can also be kind of like, dang it, I wish I wasn't so scared yes. because you realize it quicker, which is great. Yes. But I've also learned to seek help ASAP yes. like, when I realize this is really like hitting me, you
0: know? it's yeah, like a return to the work moment. Oh, time to return to the work. Yes. And I think, you know, the thing that we need to recognize, especially for central nervous systems that were uh, traumatized severely. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where I was, uh, experiencing seven of those 10 aces. Mm-hmm. So from infancy, my brain was wired around fear, uh, lack of safety, feeling like nobody had my back. Right. Um, right. So all of that. So, and, and what we need as infants and toddlers is somebody to be there for us, to help us regulate, moments of dysregulation in our nervous system. Otherwise they get wired in as like a permanent dysregulation. Okay. And so if, uh, someone has not been there for me and my brain has gotten wired around a lot of dysregulative patterns, Mm -hmm. then what I need to do is consistently start regulating. And so if I'm the co-regulator now, I don't have my mom and dad there to be co-regulators with me anymore. So I'm the person who co-regulates. I do the drill. I do the neural drill. I do the EFT tapping. I go in for a session of EMDR. I do the work um, and I will need it again. I will need to do that again because I will have a disruption in my nervous system again. Something else will trigger me and I will need to do that drill again, do that Mm -hmm. tapping again. Right. Right. Yeah, because it's, Mm. I was wired. I was dysregulatively wired, uh, dysregulatively. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Okay, my mom was an English teacher. I'm not sure what she would have thought of that word, but let's say it's a word. But I was (laughs) wired around the dysregulated kind of responses for the entire seven years of developing my personality. Remember I said we develop 85% of our brain wiring by age three 95% of it by age five. Then basically the way I look at it is as, as a developmental observer, what I see is that kids sort of practice that personality for a couple of years, Uh between five and seven, they start applying Mm -hmm. the strategies that they have been wired with and they turn it into a coherent personality. And then they go out into the world and they live that being until they figure out something else, right. Until something calls their attention to the need for something else. A call to therapy, you know, at 21 or at 31 or at whatever magical age, right? You get pulled into that. The change, the big deal in your life changes, right? You're in a toxic relationship and you get out of it, right? You're addicted to drugs and alcohol and you get clean and sober, yep. you, you know, you're in a toxic job and mm-hmm. you get away from the, to- you know, it's like whatever it is, you address that big deal and you get out of it, and then you can start saying, Okay, now how can I co-regulate with myself? How can I start regulating this fractured nervous system and change? And for some of it, for some people, it's not that hard. It's, you know, some development do-overs, change your patterns of behavior, start noticing your thinking patterns. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's continuous work over years, but it's not like the deep into your gut work that really going into your nervous system can be, can be challenging. Mm-hmm. You're you're going yeah, it, deeply into yourself. Right.
1: Yeah. I feel like for a lot of people, they they are kind of scared to like get that deep down because it is I mean, not going to lie, it can it can be tough. But gosh, getting to the other side of it is right. Yeah. You know, I, I hear from a lot of people, especially my social media feeds and things like that. Oh, Wendy, you're so happy all the time. I bet you never have a bad day or, Uh oh my gosh, I bet you've had just lived such an easy life. I'm like, Uh oh, like if you only knew (laughs) the amount of work that I have to do or that I have done. I mean, probably literally since a teenager. Um, And what is the, the, I was thinking like the first book I ever read, I think I was like 13 years old. um, The Codependent No More.
0: Oh my gosh. I remember that book. And
1: what's funny is like, I, I just found out recently that was, I think that was the year, the year that it came out was the year that I have. And it was like the first book I ever read besides, you know, Charlotte's web
2: or whatever, (laughs) whatever
1: book that we had to read. But I was always kind of in that. I don't like what I'm feeling. This isn't, this can't be right. So let me, let me dig deeper on this and let me, you know, so it is, I mean, I'm glad you said that. Like sometimes, yes, you can overcome some things. Can they be, can they resurface? Yes. Of course. But I think it's like, right. It's like learning those tools that you can, I know, I now have like, not that this is my toolbox, but let's just pretend. (laughs) (laughs) Let's pretend. I know. Yeah. Let's pretend. I know the tools that work for me. Yes. You know, right. It's like okay, call the therapist, uh, meditate, go for a walk or whatever, you know, uh-huh. I've learned what works for me. And I do know when I get a little like, okay, something's not right. Something right. doesn't feel right. Take a step back. Let's work on that and get back to life, you know? Right. Um, but, and and I think too, it's like, you know, people at midlife, they they do probably get to midlife. I know I did. And it was like, looking at your circle of people, you know, your relationships and going, wait a minute. So, and and the same thing, it's like, it's being able to like being on autopilot because you were, your brain has been like trained from day one and then realizing I'm just been acting the same way and, you know, right. So, so what are, what are some, what are some of your tools?
0: So um, I was talking a little bit about the development do over around trust and I call that trust who for what. So we get clear about what it is we actually need because trust is about needing people. And that's where the fear of abandonment arises is when you feel like you need people and they're not there. Right. So let's look at well how are they there? Are they there in some ways and not other ways and what can I do around that? So that's one of my favorites and it is high impact for people
2: to yeah. take a look
0: at. It's it's life transforming to do that development do over work all the way like mm-hmm. to from start to finish to really get into it. Um is a coaching piece that I love doing with people because it really is. It's quite dramatic how it can change lives. Um Another one that I really love to do with people is the big dream. Um, You know, three-year-olds have so much imagination and so much ability to really literally believe everything, anything, everything. The world is magical to them. They're a long ways away from being logical at three. Mm -hmm. And they've really just started paying attention to the world because they've been really, infants and toddlers are very focused on themselves and their body Mm -hmm. mechanics. It's all about getting from being a limp piece of noodle who can't do anything to being a kid who can ride a tricycle and climb trees and run and mm-hmm. talk and all kinds of things they couldn't do in the beginning. Okay, so all of that work is over. And it's like literally sometimes I think three year olds just like pick up their head one day and look at the rest of the world and go, oh my God, look what I've been missing. This has yeah. been all along too. Yeah. <laughs> and so all of a sudden they're paying attention to everything and none of it makes any sense. Right, right. So they're bringing in all of this new sensory data and just, it blows up their imagination because they can't understand it as a cause and effect world yet. Mm-hmm. All right. So play imagination and dreams coming up with the most fantastical big dreams that you can imagine. Three-year-olds are so good at this and they have all these ideas about what they want to be and do. Right. right. And if they hear that that's exciting to the grownups around them and that those grown-ups are willing to let them try to be and do Mm-hmm. all the things, then they come into adulthood with this really healthy sense of play and possibility and dream. And those are the people I think who tackle big problems in the world or big long-term issues. Those are the people that volunteer at the dog shelter and, right. you know, um, uh, become the people who advocate for children in court and, the, you know, the CASAs, mm-hmm. the court, of court and special advocates. Those are people who take on a problem that they know they'll work on their whole lives until they're too old to work on it anymore and too tired. And it will have changed, but it will still be there. It won't be gone. They don't have the illusion that they're going to change the world. They're just going to change this one kid's life or this one dog's life today. Mm. And they just keep doing that. Okay. So that kind of commitment to a dream, I call big dreaming, having a big dream. I am going to change the way we treat children in America.
2: That's Mm -hmm.
0: why. And I do that by helping grownups get better at being grownups. Because look who influences those first three years and wires the brain. It's us Mm grownups. So if we're stumbling around out here without any social and emotional intelligence of our own, and we're also being the people who raise the kids to have social and emotional intelligence for when they're adults. Right. We've got like this vicious cycle going that I would like oh, to yes. into a little more virtuous circle that feeds rather than, than doesn't. So, yeah, so that's, that's really what it's all about for me is that big dream. So the big dream activity development do over is to pick something. And we, I go through a beginning process. Each of these things has steps. So I go through a beginning process of saying, what should we change in the world? Mm-hmm. This is in my TEDx talk. I do this in very brief format in my TEDx talk from the stage. What should be different in the world? Say something that you think somebody shouldn't do. Somebody should get all the plastic out of the ocean.
2: Mm -hmm. Your turn.
0: What should somebody do, Wendy? Your turn. Uh,
1: What should somebody do? Um, They should, um, more random acts of kindness, just being kind to one another.
0: People should just be kind. Somebody yeah. should make sure that people are more kind to other people. Somebody yeah. should stop child abuse. Somebody should make sure that all the dogs are spayed and neutered. I mean, the list could be implemented. I mean, we could brainstorm yeah. for days, right? Then I encourage people to feel into the one that is grabbing hold of them. Mm-hmm. Say them out loud instead of somebody should say, I should. Mm-hmm. And try them on like a shirt in the store. Does this fit me? Am I the person who should end child abuse? Am I the person who should help people be more kind? Am Mm -hmm. I the person who should get the plastic out of the ocean? What's that feel like for me? Right. And when you feel the one that sort of grabs a hold of you and tightens your throat and makes tears come to your eyes when you say, Mm -hmm. I should do that, that's the one to do. That's the big dream that's calling to you as you're calling to it. That's the commitment for your life. And it's like, this is the fire that wakes up your life every day. This is the energy that makes you want to live is that you're making a difference in this arena all the time, every day. And it feels good. Yeah. I love it. So we work with then a pattern of dreaming that into a reality. What would that look like? If, how would you feel as a person? If that were true in your life, you had done this thing. It had really been accomplished while you were alive. There mm-hmm. is no more child abuse. People are kind everywhere. There's no more plastic in the ocean. The thing is done and you're on the other side of it. How does that feel? How does that, how does that body experience? Mm -hmm. How does that make you, uh, how, what are your emotions around that? What are the thoughts you're having? What's the posture you stand with? How do you move when you know that's true? And hold that space of being for yourself out there as a possibility and come back to today. And we do this whole back and forth between now and then, you know, kind of like building the bridge between the two. And then we literally go through a process called the map of promise that builds the bridge between the two. So the development do-overs are not, I don't think that you can come to a workshop and do something for 20 minutes and change your life. Mm -mm. Development took seven years. I was
1: going to say, wouldn't that be nice if it
0: only took (laughs) Like, give me a little coaching time with you, you know, give me a few months with you. Don't expect to come to a workshop or come to one coaching experience and have it change your life. It's a taste. It's a beginning. Mm but right. then there's then there's the commitment to the yeah. dream of being a different person, being a person who's better in relationships.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I used to call it um the hot tub experience, you know. It's like you 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 can go to like a little weekend workshop and it feels so good. You first get in you're like, "Oh my god, it feels so good." And then you get back home and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm cold. Give me a towel. Give me like, you <laughs> know. So yeah, it is in order to like make that really last and make it stick. And it's all and I love that term of development do over. Oh, thank it you. Is, yeah, I love that because it's so true. Like I, I people that come to me, I'm like, it is possible. Yes, you can recreate, you can recreate a new you, a new life. Like I've I've done it. Like it, it is exactly. so possible. Yeah. Exactly. It is so possible. And I love um. I mean, like what you were talking about, like, okay, who do you want to be? And kind of like, all right. And I'm all about like reverse engineering. it's like, even with where I'm at right now, yes. you know, it's like, I had to imagine what I wanted and then, okay, how am I going to get there? How am I going to, how will I be that person? And then just kind of reverse engineer that.
0: Yes. That's a lot of what the development do-overs are about. It's sort of like a, What's, what's the end point that we want? We want adults who can get along with each other without, you know, without erupting into childlike conflict. Right. Right. Or, or erasing themselves. Right. Or fawning and people pleasing. Mm -hmm. It's like most of our adult behavior is driven by those four reactions to attack that Mm -hmm. we learned when we were toddlers. We fight back. We freeze in place. We fawn over the mm-hmm. other person, or we flee, we run away, we get out of the situation. And right. pretty much everything we do is designed around those four strategies. And they just don't work for building a community of support for yourself as an adult human being. They mm-hmm. just don't work.
1: So question for you, we were talking about like, um, all right, if, you know, when you think about someone that you can trust or you feel comfortable, like the the Roger and the Josephine, Yes. So, so do you, and I actually had a friend of mine, um, years and years ago told me this, uh, like, for example, you can't, you, you don't go to Nordstrom's and go buy milk and get mad at Nordstrom's because they don't sell milk. Well, they just don't have milk, you know, they, who knows?
0: They probably do not their it. mission. Not their yeah.
1: mission. <laughs> As you notice, I chose Nordstrom's and not Amazon because Amazon I love everything. I love it. But yeah. So do you, you don't go to Nordstrom's for the milk, but do you, so like Roger, would you just, well, I don't feel safe and comfortable with Roger. Do you end that relationship or do you just... Oh, manage that
0: relationship. Question, great yeah. question. It depends a little bit on who Roger is to me. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. Roger's okay. the barista at the local Starbucks, man. I can let him go. But okay. yeah. <laughs> but if Roger is my spouse, you know, probably right. not, maybe. And so, one of the things that, that we do in the sort of tail end of the development do over around trust is so then, how do you teach people to meet your needs? Mm. So people who are important to you. Right To meet needs that they're not meeting, if you're and and sometimes this has to start early because I mean, early in the process because what we discover is when you list the needs that you realize you have from other people, right. and then you list the person you trust to meet that need, it's all you. Mm-hmm. You meet the need for yourself and you don't lean on anybody. Mm. Or you're leaning on one person all the way down that column. that same person's name is. you're trying to get every single need you have in your life met by. Roger, your spouse. Uh-huh. Right. That's not realistic either. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. What we need to do is say, if you're a person I really care about and you're important in my life and you're not meeting any of my needs, we need to have a conversation, sweetheart. Maybe we need right. some therapy. We right. need to talk about the fact that I feel abandoned by you because mm-hmm. I have needs that I would like to get met by you that you don't seem to be aware of. It's right. time for you to learn what I need. Right. And let's start with something simple. I need you to listen to me without interrupting. And I'm going to talk until I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then I'll let you know I'm done. And here's how I'm going to let you know I'm done. I'm going to say, okay, I'm complete now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that, right? <laughs> so wh- what we look at is first, can it, how important is this person? And can I teach them how to meet some needs that are important to me? Some people cannot learn to meet some needs. Let me give you a specific example. I had a a mother who was marvelous in many, many ways. She's passed several years ago now. But she was great at momming in a number of really important ways. But I couldn't see most of them when I was young because the number one thing I needed from her was that I needed for her to uh, praise me, tell me I was doing a good job, give me the support of hearing that I was on the right track and I was a good person and I was handling life. And instead, what I got was criticism over every single Frickin' thing I did wrong, because what my <laughs> mom was good at was noticing what was wrong and describing it and pinpointing a way to solve the problem. What my mom was never good at was saying "good job" in any way, shape, or form. She just wasn't in her skill set. Yeah, love her for lots of other things. She wasn't able to give me that and
1: sell the correct. milk.
0: <laughs> if I could have, when I was twelve, sat down with my mom and said, "Mom, you are so good at criticizing and correcting." I love it that you do that. Thank God you're there to proofread all my papers before I turn them into my teachers. And I really need sometimes for you to pat me on the head and tell me good job. And I need to know whether you can do that. You know, if I could have helped her learn how to do that when I was young, would have changed my world. Yeah. I don't know that she would have been capable. I've tried to teach her when she was older. It didn't work.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Because we had more open conversation about things like this as we got older.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: when we became more like peers. You know, when your mom is 80-something and you're 60-something, that's a very different dynamic than when your mom is 40-something and you're, you know, 15.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Very different. Yeah, and I
1: think even, and this is kind of new for me, um, (laughs) in even stating what you need. Number one, knowing what you need. Yes. Right? And then stating what you need. And I had something just not too long ago where I did actually... Hey, you know, I I need da-da-da-da-da. And then that day I felt so, okay, days after I should say, I felt so uncomfortable. And I was like, all right, Wendy, what is going on? Like, why do you feel so uncomfortable? Why do you have this? And it just all of a sudden it hit me. Like, oh, I actually stood up for myself and I asked for. That's
0: new to me. I had a need, and I yeah, normal, I, I said it was normal for me to need that. I said it was right. okay, right? So, I validated myself.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I think even that alone yes. can be something new for people. Yes. Where you like, oh, like standing up for yourself, and 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 I don't mean that in like a standing up for yourself, right. Like, hey, I need this, I and need this. and being okay with that to. To to do that, to know that you can do that in relationship, that it's a lot of, you know, uh Roger's this way, Wendy is this way, and I should be able to get. Hey, Roger, could you just let me talk? And then, and then, and I guess it is kind of like seeing how things play out, right? I mean, yes, right. Seeing Roger, I
0: give give you some opportunities to learn the new thing that I want you to do. I tell you, I'm going to talk now about something important to me. And I want you to just listen. I don't want you to say anything until I say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm done or okay. I'm complete. Then I would like to hear from you what you think, or then I would like you to just sit with me right. and not say any, I mean, help them literally learn what to do yeah. that will work for you. And I, a big part of the development over work around trust is just normalizing the fact that we all have needs and that, Actually, as human beings, we all have pretty much the same needs mm-hmm. and that for for me, different ones are sort of backlit and for you, there are others that are you know in the spotlight. there's right. different ways that we respond, but it's like I give people a tool with twelve categories of normal human needs. find something you need in each one of these twelve categories because they guarantee you you need something right Normalizing that being needy is the human condition, and you know sort of get out of my face with your neediness BS because yeah, babe, so are you right? Yeah. <laughs> Whoever you are telling me that I'm needy. Yeah. You too. <laughs> yeah.
1: You. I know. I've said that too. I'm like, well, we are human beings. Exactly. We're beings being human and right. we have needs. I mean, yeah, exactly. I know we all, yes. We're all doing the best we can on the playground.
0: <laughs> That's right. That is right.
1: Oh my gosh, this has been so so great. I, I even told you before we had started that I love this topic of relationship because it is like you said, what did you say that it it is everything, right? It is. It's not the only, it's everything. It it yes. ties into so much of our lives.
0: Yes. Yes. And we are absolutely not stuck with whatever we grew up with. Yeah. To define how cool. we get we really can reprogram ourselves, rewire ourselves, remake how we do relationships. If it's not working, if you're the person that everybody tries to stay away from at the party, you know, you can change that.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So tell us how we can find you.
0: All right. So let me tell you how you can change that. Yeah. <laughs> um, everything is L Carol Scott. So lcarolscott.com is my website. And I would like to send everyone A little book at, I call it, it's 28 pages cover to cover. It's a cute little book, um, tiny and very to the point. It's called Become Your Sassy Self. Your self-aware success strategies make you sassy. So um, this is a PDF. If you send me an email at carol at lcarolscott.com, I will send you back my little book at, just put the name of either Wendy's show or Wendy. Uh, put something in the subject line to let me know where you heard about it. And I'll shoot that back to you. And more information on the website, I want to encourage people to come to my Sunday salon. A month on Sunday, the second Sunday of every month, I do a free 90 minute coaching experience and you can sign up. I keep it small. So the seats are by reservation, Um, just no more than 10 people. And you get a a little sip of sass for me, a little taste of the coaching work that I do.
1: I love it.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's this great fun. Nice, really. It's great yeah. fun. It's a different group each time. And we just talk about our relationships and what's going on. And I bring the development do-over work. It's really, it's been oh, awesome.
1: Oh, my gosh. I've got to go on there.
0: Oh, yeah. Come <laughs> join us. Come join us. i would do... be a
1: good little guinea pig. That's for sure. There you go. Oh, my God. And I did read the book, the bookette, which I love that term. Oh, thank um, you. And it's so good. I mean, just that alone. Yeah. It's just, even just. I, I would I love I've always loved learning about human beings and myself. Yeah. And I always encourage everyone to do that because you learn about yourself. It improves your relationships and improves your whole life. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the more, the more knowledge and the more wisdom that we can absorb as adults consciously, the better. Yeah.
0: Right. And yeah. there. There, Wendy Valentine goes getting on the list of people who meet my need for being told "good job." Yeah,
1: <laughs> good job, Carol. Thank you.
0: Thank <laughs> You're
2: very awesome. Much. You
1: truly are. And I'm so grateful that you did all the work on yourself. Yes, to be able to bring your most authentic, most beautiful self forward, so that other people can Thank learn. You, you know, you
0: saying that. Thank yeah.
1: You. I know because I, uh, yeah, again, like I know how much hard work it is, Yeah. but it's so worth it to get to the it's other. It's my
0: point. life. It's my big dream. It's my life mission. Yeah. It makes it makes it worth it. Thank you for having me to talk with your audience. I'm just really excited to have met you.
1: All right. Thank you so much. And I can't wait. Uh, can't wait for a second Sunday.
0: All right. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. All right. Bye.
1: Bye. And now for the nuggets of midlife wisdom from today's show. Number one, of your brain was wired before you were five years old. 85% of your brain was wired before you were three years old. Number two, the self-aware success strategies in relationships are trust, independence, faith, negotiation, vision, compromise, and acceptance. Number three, overcoming emotional issues all starts With awareness. Number four, get clear on what you need. Build your universe around your needs. Number five, changing your behavior changes your thinking and that changes your emotional life. Number six, when you are deciding whether to end a relationship, ask yourself how important this person and the relationship is to you. Ask yourself if you can teach this person to meet some of your needs that are important. To you. And finally, number seven, relationships are everything. Oh, yes, for sure. Thank you, Dr. Scott, for such an awesome interview and teaching us so much about relationships. It really opened my eyes about what I learned as a child and how I can relearn new skills as an adult. Midlifers, make sure you check out the show notes for links to Dr. Scott's website and social media pages. Plus, make sure you send an email to carol at lcarolscott.com. Type The Midlife Makeover Show in the subject line, and Dr. Scott will also kindly send you a free copy of her bookette called Become Your Sassy Self. And I already got my copy, and I love it. Really, really good stuff in there, you guys. If you'd like to see this interview on video, please subscribe to The Midlife Makeover Show YouTube channel. And if you're not already, make sure you follow me on Instagram at Wendy underscore Valentine underscore, where it's always a party on my page. The party is about to get louder too because the Midlife Makeover Show will be going live on Instagram every week. The cool thing about Instagram Lives is that you can meet new guests live on the show. You can ask questions and you can even come up on the stage to be a guest on the show. How exciting. They are so much fun. I love them. One more thing before I let you go, I want to thank everyone that submitted entries for the Gifted Transformation giveaway. I am in awe of the entries that came in from so many awesome people. Your stories and your desire to change your life are incredible. Whether you submitted an entry or not, I hope and pray that all of you follow through with changing your life and becoming your best badass version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And congrats to the brave woman that won the gift of transformation. We are going to change your life, my dear. I look forward to having her on the show to share her midlife makeover with all of you. You too can start your midlife makeover by taking the Midlife Makeover Method online course, which is available on my website at windyvalentine.com. I've actually got a couple of new courses that I'm working on that I can't wait to share with you. One of them being the divorce course. That one's so needed, right? So stay tuned for that. Okay, peeps. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change or make you spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are a few ways you can thank me. Number one. You can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer who needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Okay, friend, I am so grateful for you, and I can't wait to hear from you. Cheers from the RV. Here's to taking the road less traveled.